0: Mission Impossible, it's God's plan to save the planet, and of course that plan is Jesus, the life of Jesus. That's what we're looking at. They were two young married couples, Christians who spent a lot of time together, attended church together, took weekend trips, went skiing, attended Christmas parties, went to dinners. They celebrated some birthday occasions together. Bill had quit nurturing his wife and had some significant marriage problems. Bill was also attracted to his good friend George's wife but never told anyone. One evening, the two couples were looking at some pictures of their latest trip. Sharing the computer screen, Bill's hand brushed against George's wife's hand. He paused, their eyes met. What were they going to do? They both felt a thrill, long lost, temptation. John was a young, intelligent professional, an up and coming engineer in a progressive growing company. There was plenty of room for opportunity, advancement and promotion. One day his boss asked him to do something that required telling a lie. He did it quickly without giving it a second thought. While pondering his actions later, he considered his options. His boss would likely ask him to do the same thing again. Refusing could seriously affect his job, his future, his salary, his ambitions and career. What should he do? Was was it compromise? Temptation. Sue was a bright young college freshman raised in a Christian home. She was attending a major state university. She saw all of the extracurricular activities around her, the partying, the sleeping around, the alcohol and and the drugs. She said, it looked fun. Couldn't she just try it for a while? She would stay a Christian. Temptation. I've just described three true stories about temptation. Temptation. All of us experience temptation. It might be the temptation as we walk past the Cinnabon or the chocolate factory at the mall. Or the temptation to click on the internet photo and link that will most certainly lead to more and more revealing photos, videos, or even live porn. Or the temptation to cursor flip off that obnoxious driver that's tailgating you on the freeway. Or the temptation to buy the latest and best computer, software, video game, gadget, or guitar amp. That was, sorry. (laughs) I had to put that in there. Or the temptation, (laughs) or the temptation to purchase just one more item of clothing. He's gonna give me back, I can tell it. That item of clothing that we don't need at Macy's, at the Macy's sale. Well, you know, temptation is something we all experience. And today we're going to talk about temptation. We're gonna look at an event in the life of Jesus where he experienced temptation. What were the temptations? Why was he tempted? What did Jesus do? fighting temptation, and what can we learn in dealing with this everyday occurrence all of us experience called temptation? I'd like you to turn with me in Luke, in the book of Luke, the fourth chapter. Luke, the fourth chapter, you can look at it on your iPhone or iPad or electronic device. You can open a book. There are Bibles in the rack in front of you. I don't have the page number, sorry. But Luke, the fourth chapter, starting with verse one. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, and he said to them, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. So it, if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. If we're gonna look at temptation, we wanna define temptation first. What is temptation? Temptation defined is to put to the test, or to test. The very first time we read about temptation is very, very near the beginning of, of human history, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, in the book of Genesis. Uh, testing. Satan, our adversary, tempted Eve, and through Eve tempted Adam, and both Adam and Eve succumbed to temptation and sinned against God. So we got round one, and Satan won that battle. Now the contest is between Satan and the Son of God. Now let me just say something because I know that there, are, there may be those of you here and other people around you that don't believe in, they don't believe, oh we gotta dismiss the kids? Yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> kids are dismissed to missions. Thank you. And since we're, high, we're doing full pause this morning Uh, We forgot to do the friendship register, which is the blue envelope, blue folder there, so if you wanna do that, you can take that and pass it on. But listen while you do that, okay? (laughs) Now I'm trying to figure out where'd I go, okay. When they do this in the back, I think something's going on, okay, okay. It's mission Sunday, we dismiss the kids for, yeah, here we go, okay. Now, let me just say this, we're back on the devil, okay? Some people don't believe that there is such a thing as the devil. They believe it's kind of a a mythical character. And if you don't believe there's a real person called Satan or the devil, please take another look. We cannot believe in the Bible without believing that Satan exists. Some think he's a character of fiction, a guy in a red suit with a pointy tail, pointy ears and pointy toes, just out to harass children. Satan, though he would like us to believe it, is not a mythical character, but a real spiritual being who acted in history and is very much alive and well and acting in present day Eau Claire. Satan is described in the Bible as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's called the serpent of old, he's called the dragon, he's called the accuser of the brethren. He's real and he tempts us. However, we cannot blame the devil for all the bad things we do. You know, the old saying, the devil made me do it can't do that. James 1, 14 and 15 says, but each one, each person, is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. So evil desire, which is resident in all of us, unfortunately, births sin, sin brings forth death, which is spiritual separation from God. So every one of us has inside of us the seeds of our own destruction. Augustine said, Satan can do no more than suggest, only the, real, only the tempted person can perform the wrong act. Now some people say, can God tempt us? Can God tempt us? James 1.13 says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God does not tempt us to do evil, but he will test us to see how we respond. And he will lead us into situations and places where we are tempted or tested, and allows us to be tempted. So Jesus was fully God and fully human. Because of his humanity, he was not immune from suffering temptation, and neither are we. Neither are we. So temptations, by Satan, are suggestions and tests put into our life or mind in order to get us to sin against God, perform evil acts, thoughts, words, or deeds. Okay, that's just a general idea of what temptation is, by definition. The question is, when are we tempted? When are we tempted? First of all, we're tempted when we're close to God. When we're close to God. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He'd been fasting and praying over an extended period of time, 40 days. And during this time, close to God, seeking God, he was tempted. And most of us would say, I thought if I, was, if I was close to God and really uh, living close to God, that I would not be tempted. It's not true. Even when we're close to God, we have the capacity to be tempted. It only takes a fleeting moment of time to take our eyes off of Jesus and place them on something else. So we shouldn't have a false sense of security or invincibleness just because we're close to God. Should we stay close to God? Absolutely. But that doesn't guarantee that we won't be tempted. There was a, a survey in an Enrichment Magazine asked, when are you most likely to be tempted? And 37%, almost 40%, said I'm most likely to be tempted after a significant spiritual victory. Sometimes the most severe temptations come after great spiritual victories or success. When are we tempted? Secondly, when we're in God's will. Jesus was led by the Spirit in the desert. So he can be filled with the Spirit, anointed walking in the center of God's will and be subject to temptation? Absolutely. In fact, you will likely come under more significant attacks when you are close to God and in God's will than any time in your life. See, if we're in God's will, we're probably making a difference in the realm of darkness and so you're threatening to Satan, so he's gonna attack you. If you're not under any temptation, no attacks, then I would look at your life and say, am I making a difference somewhere because Satan's not bothering with me? When we're close to God, we are going to be attacked. See, there's a spiritual war going on out there, and you are the prize, you are the prize. So when are we tempted? When close to God when in God's will. And thirdly, when we least expect it. Unexpectedly, it's a surprise, it's an ambush. I, I know if we could only know and prepare and get ready for the next temptation, it would be great. But most of the time, temptation comes totally out of the blue, unexpected, we don't expect it to come. When are we tempted? Fourthly, when tired or fatigued. Jesus had eaten nothing for 40 days. He was weak physically. He was tired. And you and I are most vulnerable when we're fatigued or we're tired, emotionally spent or physically exhausted or just just basically run down. In the same survey, the question was asked, when are you most likely to face temptation? 57% said when they've not had enough rest. And 81% said when they have not spent much time with God. Whoa, not spent much time with God. We are vulnerable. So why are we tempted? Why does God allow temptation? First of all, it's God's plan to strengthen us. God's plan to strengthen us. Temptation strengthens us if we resist and don't give in. If we give in, we can grow weaker. If not, we grow stronger. Um, How many of you at some point in life in your history or are presently lifting weights, pumping iron, anybody? Am I the only one? That used to? No. Okay, we got a few, come on. Come on. It's okay, don't be embarrassed. Okay. Yeah, lifting weights. When, when we lift weights or we pump iron, the more resistance there is, the heavier the weights, the stronger we get. And that's the same way with temptation. The, the more resistance, the, the more we fight against something, when we get through it, we're stronger. Some of you may have had strength Tests. Some of you may have had tests of endurance. Training for a triathlon, uh, which, where you swim one mile, you bike 50 miles and run 26 miles. I don't know why anybody would do that, but there are a lot of people that do that. Lance Armstrong, when he was training for the Tour de France, would bike uphill going 30 miles an hour. Uphill going 30 miles an hour. No, I can bike 25 miles an hour. Downhill. <laughs> but not, not uphill. See, the resistance, the resistance makes them stronger. Instead of looking at temptation as a a negative, sometimes we can look at temptation in a positive light because tests make us stronger. Tests challenge us to be stronger. It's like resistance training. Second, why are we tempted? It's God's preparation to use us. His preparation to use us. Jesus was fasting and praying for 40 days, and that was part of his preparation for ministry. He was starting the mission impossible, getting ready to be God's plan to save the planet. And it was his preparation for ministry. One summer, uh, it's more than a few years ago now, um, I signed up to run a half marathon. I was young and foolish, but I decided to run 13, 13 miles. Now, I didn't know if I could make it 13 miles. Okay? So I was out training, and I was training every day running eight miles, but I'd never run 13. That was, seemed like a really daunting, uh, daunting uh, length, of, length of a course. So three days before the half marathon, I decided I'd go run it and see if I could make it. It was not a good idea, but, but I did it, and I found out I could do it. So I ran a half marathon twice in three days, and I, ran, I think I ran it faster the first time than the second time, but that's, you know, that's just learning how you learn that. But the test was a preparation for the real thing. And sometimes God has something in mind for you in your journey and all of us are on this journey and he has something in mind for you and so he's gonna put you through a test of endurance somehow to prepare you for what's ahead. Dealing with temptation is part of the preparation process for mission and ministry. What is God preparing you to be and to do? What what can God trust you with? The more he wants to entrust you with, the more responsibility he's going to give you, the more he will allow you to be tempted or tested. That's why my, one of my least favorite verses in the Bible is James 1, two to four. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in Anything, oh, that's part of the preparation process because God wants to use you. So when you're going through tests and trials and temptation, rejoice, he says. Be glad because he's developing you for something important to do. Why are we tempted? It's the devil's plan to destroy us. It's the devil's plan to destroy us. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Make no mistake. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Satan has a terrible plan for your life. He wants to destroy you. And if you think you're not on his target list, think again. We have somebody that's out to get us. Don't live in paranoia. (laughs) Don't be paranoid and say somebody's out to get me. I know it. We are living in a world that Satan is out to destroy lives and we must be aware, it's part of his plan. So how are we tempted, how are we tempted? To really understand this account, we need to return to the Old Testament. In fact, to understand Luke, we really need to go back to Genesis and we'll do that on occasion. Um, We must begin in Genesis. In Genesis three, the first temptation recorded began with Satan saying, did God really say? Did God really say? Um, every, every moral issue, every question, everything out there starts with us questioning the word of God by saying, did God really say? Did God really say? Questioning God's word. And in Luke, Satan used the words of God, but he twisted their meaning. Did God really mean what he said? You know, This is, did God really say it? Did God really mean what he said? The temptations of Jesus follow a pattern that was established way back in Genesis and Exodus uh, where Adam was called the Son of God, Israel was called the Son of God, and Jesus was called the Son of God. There were three significant tests which they failed. The first one had to do with manna, had to do with food. Now, um, most of us, if we go to our refrigerator, we'll probably find some food in the freezer, whatever. We like to look at our bank account on occasion to make sure there's money in there or there's something. We, we kinda know what's gonna happen in the next few weeks. And we know we get paid, and, well, you know, you look at that. We like to plan. Well, the children of Israel were in the wilderness, and God said, I'm going to give you food every day, but you have to depend on me every day. And if you try to save it, it's gonna be spoiled the next day. Well, that's that's kind of nerve-wracking. That's kind of scary, but that's what he told them to do. And so this was teaching a whole different dependence on God, a different level of dependence, and they failed. It says they failed. They failed in that that particular test. Then there was the water test. They were there, and they said, is God among us or not? I mean, we're thirsty, we're, we don't have anything to drink, we're in the middle of the desert, and they said, where is God? Is he with us or not? This was a test of the presence of God. I don't know if you've ever felt God. God's not anywhere, you know, you just, you know and so we, we panic because we don't think God's presence is there. And they failed that one too, because God said, no, I am with you. Then there was the worship of other gods. When the, you know, the golden calf story where they made a golden calf and worshiped him because Moses was gone. We didn't know what became of him. So we need something we can see to worship. And so somehow there was that false god thing. And sometimes, and they failed that one too. And that's something we deal with and we fail. The manna, the golden calf, the water incident. But Jesus was tempted and he He succeeded. He succeeded. Now, how are we tempted? We're tempted in the area of dependence on God. What do we do? We save up, we store, we hoard so we can guarantee the future. There's nothing wrong with saving for retirement or savings account as long as they don't replace our dependence on God. The first temptation was for Jesus to use his power to supply his own personal physical needs. Turn stone into bread. Now, people have said, what would be so bad about turning a rock into bread? You know, sounds, sounds perfectly logical. In fact, Satan, did you know that Satan tempts us logically? If it wasn't logical, it wouldn't be a temptation. No, that doesn't make sense, no, I don't wanna do that. Tempts us logically. What was wrong with turning a stone into bread? It would be prostituting his power to to satisfy a physical need instead of trusting God, his heavenly Father, to take care of his needs. See, sometimes we work so hard at filling our needs instead of trusting God to fill our needs. And that was the sin, the temptation was self-preservation, taking care of my needs instead of trusting God to fulfill my needs. You know, we get tempted logically. If it feels good, do it. How can it be so wrong if it feels so right? No one will be hurt, no one will even know. I was born with my sex drive, certainly God understands I need to gratify it. We rationalize, food is good to be eaten, so what if I eat too much? Or uh, there's an obsession with exercise or dieting and the focus entirely on the physical. Satan will test this logically. People have asked this question, why would God want me to stay in an uncomfortable marriage? Doesn't he want me to be happy? Doesn't he want me to be happy? We're going to get married anyway, a couple says. What's wrong with premarital sex? Besides, everyone lives together before marriage. We wanna try it out first. Very prevalent today. In fact, you can go in places where people that don't know Jesus at all, they're astounded that a couple would wait to move in together until after marriage because the norm, the accepted behavior standard, is living together first. And there, there, there's, a, there's a logic problem with the world. See, people would like, like they want intimacy without commitment. And that's what living together or experiencing sexual intimacy without commitment. And, and realizing that there's always a door, there's always a back door. So they experience intimacy, but there's always a back door. See, God designed marriage, true intimacy only in the context of commitment in a covenant relationship, one man, one woman for life, that brings them together so that there is total freedom and you can have intimacy only in the context of that kind of commitment. But Satan will logically say, try this out for it. Do this. It doesn't work. So how was Jesus committed, attempted? The second part, he was, tempted, and compromise, Verses five through seven. Satan offered him a compromise. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. I, he said, I will give it to you, just worship me, and I'll give it to you right now. Satan, in essence, offered Jesus a shortcut. How many of you like shortcuts? Driving, going to work, cutting through that neighborhood? And yeah, yeah, you like to find shortcuts. We all like shortcuts, and it can be your commute to work, it can be studying for a test, it can be uh, reading the cliff notes instead of the real book—you know—we've all we've all done those kinds of things. Well, Satan tempted Jesus with a shortcut, a compromise. He said, "I will give you a kingdom, and you can have it now. You can have instant success, no sacrifice, no pain, no just compromise. Compromise. That's what he offered Jesus. There's a story told of a minister who lived in a rural America, and one day he found a stray dog. And the dog was pure black, except it had three white hairs in its tail. Three white hairs. And it was a great family dog, friendly, gentle. He loved the children, they became very attached. His two sons considered the dog as part of their family. The true owner of the dog placed an ad in the local newspaper saying his dog was lost, and he described the dog to the exact detail, including the three white hairs in the tail. Since there are no secrets in a small rural community, he found out that the minister had adopted the black dog, so he asked if he could come out and see their dog. When the owner arrived, the dog was overjoyed to see him and displayed all the signs that one would expect of a joyful reunion. But before the man arrived, the father, wanting to keep the dog, pulled out the three white hairs of his tail. Since the owner could not prove it was his dog, he left it with the family. The father later said, that was the day I lost my sons. His sons, Jesse James and brother, outlaws. Small compromise, just three small hairs. But the father's compromise cost him dearly. How many of us will compromise to gain in the short run, taking shortcuts to success, compromising our eternal destiny for physical success now? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Jesus said, No, I will not compromise. My kingdom is not of this world, it's eternal, it will last forever. He says, I cannot compromise, I cannot make shortcuts. My kingdom will take time, it will take struggle, it will take sacrifice, it will take my death, but I will not compromise, I will take no shortcuts. Satan offered Jesus an instant kingdom without struggle, without suffering, and Jesus said no. One day, there's gonna be a man named Mark living in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, one day, there's going to be a man named Brent living in Wisconsin. One day there's going to be a woman named Jen. One day there's gonna, you put in the blank, he saw you in the future and he said, I will not compromise because I love them too much. Jesus said, it is written, and he set his face toward humiliation and hardship and suffering rubbing shoulders with humanity, people we consider scum of the earth, sinners, prostitutes, adulterers, drug dealers, sex traffickers, the, the diseased and the blind and the dirty, stinking humanity, men and women with evil, depraved, selfish hearts. He walked with them. He ate with them. He laughed, hugged. He cried with them. And one day he died for them and us. Jesus said, my kingdom is far greater than the one you, Satan, are offering me. I will not Compromise. Why? Why? Love. Simple love. Love for you and love for me. Our reason for saying no to temptation of compromise is love, love for God, love for our family, love for our children, and love for the people who God wants us to reach with the good news of Jesus. I will not compromise. How was Jesus tempted? He was also tempted in personal presumption. What does that mean? Jesus was tempted, in verses nine through 11, to risk his life arbitrarily and expect God to protect him. Using God for my own ends, or using my freedom for evil. Sue, the, the college student in my introduction, came to me one day for counseling She was actually trying to get my okay for her illicit behavior. She said, I want to drink if I want to. I want to party. I want to be free to try drugs. I want to have sex with whomever I want, whenever I want. I want to try it for a while. She said, I will come back. My answer to her, my answer, there are no guarantees that you'll ever come back. You may have fun but lose your soul, is it worse, worth the risk? Presuming on God's goodness. God will always forgive us. God will never leave us or forsake us, that's true. God is forgiveness is constant. But will you come back, I asked her. It's not for us to put God to the test that way. Satan said to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, it's the same as the idea, since you are the Son of God, He questions not that he is the Son of God, but questions the nature of his sonship. How is his sonship to be expressed? Not living by bread alone. These are not nice moralistic lessons. Jesus is not our example. Jesus is our representative. Jesus is the Son of God that succeeded where others failed. Adam failed, Israel failed, Jesus will succeed and it's found in pointing back to Israel's failure. Where everyone else failed, Jesus succeeded. Jesus was faithful and we rest in his finished work and we are credited with his obedience and his righteousness. We rest on his finished work because he succeeded. So how do we fight temptation? How do we fight temptation? James 4.7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. So how do we fight t- t- temptation? First, submit to God. Just say yes. Okay, Say yes to God. How do we fight temptation? Resist the devil. Just say no. Now it doesn't say you have to get up and defeat the devil. It says resist him. Resist him and he will flee. Just say no. Third, quote the word of God as Jesus did. You need to have Bible verses memorized where you can quote and you can throw Satan's way. You get tempted by something, you throw those verses. And number four, run. Run, okay? Sometimes we need to run or flee. Joseph did that, Paul told Timothy to do that. But ultimately we need to resist our temptation to act independently of God the Father and try to cash in on our special relationship with God for our own purposes. Some final thoughts. Hebrews four says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I don't know if you've ever asked this question. How can Jesus identify with us since he never sinned? You ever asked that? How can Jesus identify with us because he never sinned? While sympathy with a sinner tempted does not depend on experiencing sin, Jesus never did, identifying with us depends on Jesus experiencing the strength of the temptation to sin. Let me illustrate. Since you and I succumb to temptation at different levels, it's we don't know how strong temptation can really be. Let's say we um, have a temptometer, okay? And we're gonna measure temptation in megatemps from zero to 100, okay? And so we have this temptometer and you have temptation and, and so you get tempted and you give in at 27 megatemps, okay? You know how strong mega, 27 megatemps of temptation is, okay? Uh, the next person gets up to 52 megatemps. So they did better than you, but they still gave in to temptation. Now they know what 52 megatemps of temptation is like. Okay? Another person made it to 97 before they gave in. And man, they experienced 97 megatemps. But only Jesus experienced all hundred megatempts of temptation and never gave in. He's the only one that understands the true strength of temptation yet it says he was without sin. He alone knows how strong temptation can be. And Hebrews 2.18 says because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like. I don't know what your temptation is today. I don't know what your test is right now. First Corinthians 10.13 gives us a promise. It says this, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Promise to you. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Satan departed until an opportune time. Jesus was going to be tempted again. We will too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us a practical example of the humanity of the Son of God. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't give in, that you didn't take shortcuts, you didn't give in, you quoted scripture, and you won. You did not fail this temptation but you made it through. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would teach us and train us and help us to overcome the temptations that we face. Father, there are so many temptations out there now. It's almost as if it's, the torrent of temptation is far worse than it's ever been. We're surrounded by so many things. And I just pray, Lord, that you will help us to get close to you, that we will be aware of those subtle temptations, those overt temptations, those temptations that come suddenly into our lives, and that you would equip us to overcome those temptations. And Lord, we know that, that no matter what happens, we know that it's your grace that gives us that strength and that power. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would extend your grace and mercy and love to us in helping us overcome temptation. And we thank you in Jesus name Amen Let's